0: Last Friday night, our family gathered for Amy's birthday, and we engaged in a very spirited game of uh, Ticket to Ride. Do I have any other Ticket to Ride fans here? For those who haven't played Ticket to Ride, Ticket to Ride is uh, just essentially a game where you are given routes that you must then accumulate train cars and try to Uh, Take those train cars and fulfill your route as it goes all the way across the United States or wherever you need to go with with your train route. Meanwhile, everybody is trying to get their routes. And there were several times in this game of Ticket to Ride on that night that I was close to accomplishing my route. I worked all night very hard at accumulating just what I needed to accomplish my route, often just being two cars. Away from accomplishing a 30-car feat across the entire United States. And then in one disappointing moment, bam, my daughter-in-law Kenzie puts two cars down on puts two cars down on the game board, ruining my entire game, blocking everything that I was trying to do. And so I accepted it with great grace and patience. Yeah. And I dealt with it very, very calmly and just proceeded to come up with a new strategy, only to work for another half hour, having another route almost completed, when bam, my daughter drops two cars into the route, destroying what I was trying to do all night long. And so once again, I accepted it with great patience, with great grace, and just informed them they are now completely out of my will. It was a very frustrating moment for me because I'm trying to get from here to there, and the only thing that was stopping me was them. (laughs) Have you ever had that, where you've had this this obstacle in your way that you're trying to get to this route, you're trying to accomplish this goal, and there is something standing in your way? We see that in our Bible reading this morning. That here's this woman, And her desire is to fill her soul. Her desire is to meet her deepest need. What she needs to do is follow Jesus. And that's the same course that we need to follow in our lives, that we need to follow Jesus. We need to get from where we are now into following Him and being turned into the perfection of Jesus Christ. But often what we find is just like when I was playing that game, there are obstacles that get in our way. And the obstacle that we see appearing in our Bible passage this morning for this woman, and I believe for many of us here today, that obstacle is that we are taken over with sexual immorality. We're trying to walk a path that Jesus wants us to walk, but standing between us and him is the barrier that we're being held captive Bisexual immorality. We see this in this this woman's life as she comes to Jesus, and she comes and and Jesus engages her in a conversation. She thinks it's just about water. And Jesus is talking to her about water, and and she comes with her, her water pot that is empty, and he knows her pattern is to come one day and fill her water pot. She brings it home and does it quench her thirst. No, she's still thirsty. So the next day she comes again, brings it home, she's thirsty again and comes again and again and again because she needs to keep coming to the well to fill her thirst. And Jesus uses that and turns a corner to begin to speak to the woman about her soul, what's going on in her soul and help her to see that her soul is thirsty, that her soul needs to be filled, that her soul needs to be filled with the living water so that she will never thirst again. But standing between her and that commitment is this barrier. The fact that she is being held captive by sex. Jesus says to her, he goes, well, bring your husband back. Like, I, I, I don't have a husband. Uh, and he's like, you're right. You had one husband that you thought would, you could go to and you could meet that need. And it didn't fill the need, so she moved on to another one. And then she moved on to another one. Well, that one will meet my need. That relationship will be good. She moved on to yet another one. If I could just have the love of this man, if I could just be with him and in his embrace, this will be awesome and I'll take that need. And that marriage dissolved. And so finally now she's given up on marriage completely and she is just going to another man to fill that need, to fill that void, but what's it doing? that intimacy, that pursuit of of sex, that pursuit of that relationship with that man is just leaving her thirsty. And friends, I believe that there are many of us here today that in the same way keep going to that well of sexuality, thinking that that's going to meet our need and that's going to satisfy us, but all it's doing is leaving us thirsty. And I think many of us here today, if we're serious about following Jesus and following him in our walk of faith, we need to look and see is that obstacle there? Is it standing between me and Jesus? And if so, then we need to destroy and break down that barrier of sexuality. Now, I'm not going to go all Puritan on you this morning and say that that sex is the dark guest like the Puritans felt in their life. I'm not gonna go there this morning because sex is a beautiful gift from God. God designed it, God created it, God gave us a blueprint for it. He said, I'm creating them male and female and they are to come together in a monogamous relationship and then as they enjoy the sexual intimacy, they will grow together and their love for one another can be expressed. God gave us that blueprint, and God's desire is for us as as man and wife to engage together in hot, steamy, sexy sex. (laughs) And God called it good, and so if anything, we as Christians should be pro-sex. Of all the things I said in 15 years, I thought that would get an amen. I really did. I thought, I thought we'd be like, amen. I, I thought particularly all the guys here would be like, amen! You heard what the pastor said this morning, honey, and we're going home now. Uh, it's a great thing. It's too late. Too late for the woo-woos now. Too late. It's a beautiful thing. And I, and I, but what has happened in our world is that we have unhinged it from the blueprint that God has given to us. We've unhinged it. From the way that God designed this gift to be used and we have twisted it and it's being expressed in many different ways like many like this woman who is going from man to man to man just hooking up with one after another after another and we are twisting it in ways that are way outside the bounds that God gave us where this sexuality is to bless us and be a place where it where it flourishes, where it, it's for our flourishing, and it's for our good. We see this across our culture. We see with the uh, with the internet now, with the anonymity that's out there, that many people are turning towards their screens and engaging in pornography. We're viewing pornography. We've twisted what God has given us. We see young people who. Uh, have no issue with just getting together uh, to you know just to hook up and come together for uh, let's have a night where we're just gonna watch Netflix and chill you know and just spend uh, a romantic night together not even thinking about it just going in casual relationships we see uh, we see people uh, believing that extramarital relationships are okay We see an increasing number. It is now like 25% of men and 15% of women who said that they've had extramarital relationships. And if we don't believe that to be true, then in many ways, we also are um, thinking it to be true or thinking it to be a good thing in Fifty Shades of Grey in many other ways in in our minds. And we twist it there. Then we have the whole LGBTQ++++ going on. That is, that, is, that is continuing at a rapid rate, taking what God has made good and distorting it in an incredible way with a, rap, with a rapid speed and telling us that if we, we don't get on this bus, then we're on the wrong side of, of history. And so many of us are accepting that as normative and believing that. And friends, this list could go on. I could keep going on and on, but that's not what I'm, I'm here to do this morning. I'm just here to point out to the fact that many of us have stepped into this culture, which is, just, which is just coming at us with this distorted view of what God created, and what God created is good and beautiful, and they distorted it and broken it and ruined it and caused chaos with it, And they said, now this is the norm, and many of us are buying into that. And as long as we accept that, and as long as we embrace that, it is going to stand between us and our relationship with Jesus Christ. As long as we engage in that sexual immorality that the world says is good and right and normal, it's gonna stand there as a barrier between us in our walk with Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul comes out real, uh, no, sorry, it's Peter, who comes out real clear. And Peter uh, says to us that fleshly lusts wage war against the soul. Fleshly lust wage war against the soul. Why is that? Well, it's because who we, uh, who we are created to be when we are in Jesus Christ. If we're walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ, in the words of the Apostle Paul, we are a temple to the Lord. First Corinthians, if you have your Bibles open, 1 Corinthians six, verse 18, says these words, flee from sexual immorality. Well, there's a command that we could just dwell on for a long time and try to live out, couldn't we? Real clear. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with Your bodies, (laughs) excuse me, that's who we are, a temple, the Holy Spirit. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And what do we know about temples? Temples have to be pure. pure. Temples have to be holy, right? We went through Leviticus. We understand this, (coughs) that in order for a holy God to dwell with a sinful people, He has to dwell in holiness. And so Paul is saying that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, your body. I mean, think about this. This is really one that just sort of, you know, melds your mind a little bit. That the Spirit of God now lives in you. Not in a building, in you, in his people. The Spirit dwells in you. And so for that Spirit to dwell in you, if you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that would mean that in order for him to dwell within you, You need to be holy, you need to be pure, you need to be righteous, because that's only the place where God can dwell. But if you give your body over to sexual immorality, and when you engage in in sexual immorality, you're using your, your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength, it encompasses all of your body, that's what Paul is saying here, you sin against your own body, And when you sin against your own body, it brings sexual immorality into your body, which now, then, makes it not a temple for the Holy Spirit, but more a tenement of sin, and it drives the Spirit out of your body in the way that He wants to, to dwell and live and work. And we're told in the Scriptures that our sexual sin grieves the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Can you think about that? Sexual immorality makes God sad. Why? Because it's driving his presence. It's driving his ability to to control. It's driving his ability to help shape you into the image of Jesus Christ because it's serving as an obstacle between you and the work of Jesus Christ in your life. And it makes him sad and so we need to drive that spirit out says paul because you are a temple and this this is a gift of god right we we can't make ourselves pure and right and holy we know that it's a gift from god that jesus christ comes into our hearts and comes into our lives and in uh first corinthians six a little bit earlier here He says these words in in, uh, chapters 9. He he says, do not be deceived in verse 9. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have had sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers. Okay, that's all sin, right? That's all the stuff that's opposed to God. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what, that's what some of you were, right? You were that. You were doing that. But not anymore because you've given your life over to, to Jesus to become a temple of Jesus Christ so that God can dwell in you. Those things are a part of your past. But now you are washed, you are sanctified, and you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we are washed, that's the term, that in the Hebrews knew this, and, and we know that from our, our studies, that you always washed before you came to see God. They had the big basin out front so the priests could wash. The people had mikvahs so they could wash. You always washed so you could be cleansed. And it's telling us, in Jesus Christ, we are cleansed. Not only are we cleansed, we are sanctified. And sanctified means that we are set apart for a different purpose. And our purpose now is that we are set apart to turn for God, to be a temple for God not to be, not to be a a tenement of sin in this world. And we are justified that we no longer hold the guilt of our sin before us. That's who we are when we are in Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes us this temple where his spirit can dwell and can live in us and then move us forward in our walk with Jesus Christ. And, And Paul says, remember this, that's what Jesus has done. He's created you to be a temple. He's made you into a temple. You are no longer your own. Your body belongs to Jesus. You are his. You are his temple. So therefore, don't sin in this way. Keep your temple clean. You were bought with a price. He owns you. And so now you live according to his way and his purposes. That is who we are. And when we engage in the sexual immorality, all of that gets pushed away. And we give ourselves over to sin. And it grieves the Holy Spirit and wages wages war against our soul. And so maybe you're here this morning, and the Spirit is kind of poked at you a little bit in some way with this broad scope of Sexual immorality, whether it's, it's the pornography online, it's the reading the, the mommy porn, it's being okay with just uh, having sex with who's ever around you desire that. Maybe it's dreaming of extramarital affairs. Uh, maybe it's that you've embraced the LGBTQ lifestyle. I don't know what it is this morning where God has maybe prodded you and poked you, and you've realized by the Holy Spirit that, yeah, I'm not in my temple. My temple has embraced some of this. I want to encourage you to attack that sin. I want to encourage you to attack that se- sexual immorality. And how do you attack it? Friends, you attack it like a dandelion. You attack it like a dandelion. When I was in, ele- I was in elementary school, in a middle schooler, one of the worst things that my, my dad uh, I would ever hear my dad say to me would be, Bob, can you go out in the front lawn and take care of the dandelions. It was awful. Poor, poor me. Poor me, is there any sympathy this morning? There we go, thank you, thanks. I need a little sympathy for all of that. Dad, if you're watching, it was an awful task. Um, And we had this special knife out in the garage, I remember right where it is to this day, it's embedded in my head. And I would have to take this knife and go out in the front lawn and look for dandelions and dig them out of the front lawn. Why we couldn't pay for a service to come and just kill them all? Who needs to pay when you have Bobby, right? <laughs> Let Bobby do it, he can do it. Poor Bobby, poor Bobby. And I'd have to go out and dig the dandelions out with this knife and dig them around. But there'd be some days, thought I'd pull a quick one out of my parents and just pull the top of the dandelion off, right? And then I'm done, I got the job done. And then what would happen Uh, in about three days. They would all grow back and I would be busted, right? And now I'd have twice as much work to do and I would be in trouble. But sometimes we approach those sexual sins this way. We just try to go after the symptoms. We just say, you know what, I'm not, I'm just gonna keep my computer turned off. You know what, I'm just not gonna watch those shows anymore. You know what, we're not gonna sit in a dark room together anymore and we try to attack those symptoms, and what happens is we get frustrated because they just rear their ugly head again. And more than likely, we just continue to engage in those practices, we maybe stop for a little while, but then we engage again. Why? Because we're just attacking the surface level. What we need to attack is what's down deep. We need to attack the root. We need to attack the heart that was Jesus' conversation that he had with the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7. You have Mark 7 verse 20. This is what Jesus says, Mark 7 20, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from the inside and defile a person. And so if we're going to attack this sin of immorality, we need to attack it from the inside. Jesus says in, uh, also says in uh, Matthew, uh, Luke, sorry, Luke 6:45. he says, the good man brings good things out of the good treasure of his heart, And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil treasure of his heart. See, the sexual immorality would be a heart condition. It comes from within. It comes from the root. And so if we're going to attack the root, then I think what we first need to do is simply acknowledge. We need to acknowledge that we have done wrong. We acknowledge that we have done wrong. We, and maybe you're here this morning and the Spirit has convicted you, and that's a good thing. The Spirit has convicted you because that means now you have the opportunity to step into life and step into the ways of God and to step in the goodness of God. We acknowledge and say, God, yes, I've gone against your ways. I have, I have been wrong. And you acknowledge what you've been doing and you confess that to God. It's more than just saying, oops, my bad. You say to God, you know what? I truly blew it as I stand before your face, God, and recognize that you are holy, that you are right, that you are just, that Jesus Christ made me pure. He went to the cross and died for me so that I could be pure and right and holy. And God, what I've engaged in has ruined all of that. And I'm sorry. I want to I I go in your ways. And that's what repent is. Repent is more than just, well, I'm not going to do it again. Repent means we're going to turn around, right? Repent means I'm going to turn around. The, the Hebrew word that repent comes from is teshuva. Teshuva means to go the other direction. Instead, I've been going this way towards the world in this moment because, God, I acknowledge what I'm doing has been wrong. I I acknowledge that it's not your way. Well, I'm not going to continue to walk this way, God. I'm going to move in your way and go completely different. You now own my heart. You are now in control in my heart instead of me according to my will and my purposes and my desires, taking it this way, God. I'm going to allow you to control it and we're going to move this way in your direction. And then I'm going to pursue the righteousness, I'm going to pursue holiness. I'm going to think only about, like Philippians says, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, uh, whatever is good, whatever is of God. Set your mind on things above, that's what I'm going to pursue, Not not what the world tells me, but what God tells me, I'm going to set my mind on those things and go after that. Why? That's who I am, right? I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. I got Jesus Christ living in me. He died to make me to make me clean. He washed me. He took care of my guilt. He's allowing me to walk like Him. And so that's who I am. And so I'm going to pursue the things of God. And this sexual immorality is not part of it. In fact, that stands as an obstacle between me and Jesus Christ and me and where God desires me to go. I had this the other night. Because I... I love watching good dramas, many of you know that, and so I was reading on shows that, you know, would be, are interesting to watch, and so I uh, found one, it was on Amazon Prime, I won't name it right now, but I, turn, I watched the episode, and about 10 minutes into the episode, it switched to a scene, and there were two naked women going at it pretty, pretty uh, robustly in this scene. So I'm just sitting there, the cat on my lap, you know, uh, eating, <laughs> always eating something, and he, some, and all of a sudden, there were the two women going, like, what's going on? This is in my house right now. Right? But the spirit of me that lives, that, that the world still holds on to, was like, keep watching. Keep looking. Keep, keep staring. You know, uh, is Amy upstairs? Uh, <laughs> is she not Does she not? know? right? Right? Because I wouldn't do that in her, I wouldn't watch it in her press. But, you know, maybe she's not here. I can keep watching. All that going on. But in that moment... I acknowledged who I was, that when I saw that, it was repulsive to me because that's not who I am. My life is in Jesus Christ. I'm pure, I'm right, I'm holy. I think about excellent and praiseworthy. I think about the beautiful gift that God made, and that's not the beautiful gift that God made. That's not how he designed sex to be used. That's not what he created, and so I am not going to watch that. And I had to turn it off in that moment and pursue other things. So I guess I won't be watching any more of that show down the line Uh, but I have to make those choices all the time because our world is throwing that at us left and right increasingly and we as God's people as his church need to model a different sexual ethic to the world we need to model the design that God created we need to lift it up as beautiful and not participate in it. We need to flee immorality. Could, could, could the Apostle Paul be much any quicker? I mean, as soon as that comes across my screen, flee immorality is where's the remote quick enough? Boom, I couldn't hit it quick enough, right? Flee immorality. I'm getting out of there. But how many of us like just step to see how close we can get? We need to flee immorality to show the world that we are different. Maybe you're here this morning in this. This whole idea of sexuality has grabbed, convicted you, and if it has, I just want you in this morning to be honest and turn your heart towards God and do the work that you need to do so that you can regain your status of who God has made you to be, a temple of the Lord. This in no way was intended to heap guilt, because I realize in the same time, all of us probably have been affected by this. All of us probably have, have moments that we can remember where we engaged in some kind of sexual immorality. And it's not to heap guilt, it's not to heap shame upon us. In fact, uh, it is to remind us who we are and call us to a higher and different level and remember that no matter what our sin is. I mean, Jesus just keeps listening sexual immorality is a whole host of sin it's not one that's called out above any other it's a host of sin because all sin is offensive to god and if we've engaged in that we got to remember what we've been singing about this morning grace grace god's grace grace that is oh could never cover my sin grace that could never take care of that sexual immorality grace that could never do it no it's grace that is greater than all my sin and that's what our God offers to us, grace. And so some of us could be stuck. The obstacle in our life this morning is, is not our sexual immorality now, but maybe it's something that we've participated in, in the past. And I just want to say to you this morning, remember the woman who was caught in adultery. Everybody wanted to convict her, but Jesus looked at her and noticed the order that he said. He said to her, he said, go, the grace came first. Go. You're forgiven. You're set free. And sin no more. And sin no more. Because you're my beautiful child. And I want you to walk in holiness and righteousness. And yes, this is a call to be much different than the world. I acknowledge it. But you know what? Jesus said, Wide is the gate, and wide is the road that many are on, and it leads to death. But narrow is the gate. What? Sex is just between a man and a woman who, between a man and a woman who are in a committed monogamous relationship? Narrow is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And that's the road that we need to be on, is those who follow Jesus Christ. And if there's an obstacle standing between you and Jesus, in regard to sexual immorality this morning. Today is the day to set your course on a new route. Amen. Let's pray together. God, as we come before you in this uh, morning hour, we thank you that, uh, that your, your holiness and your grace, uh, your holiness first touches every part of our lives. And God, this, as we talk this morning, this hits our deepest desires, our deepest longings, our deepest wants, and probably one of the biggest challenges we face in this world, God. And then this morning, as we've wrestled with it at different levels, uh, I just pray for those that are here this morning, God, um, whether it's explicit music that we let come into our ears every day, or it's media that we're watching on TV, or we got an addiction to pornography, or maybe we've been stepping out on our partner, whatever it is, God, this morning, I pray that there would just be a cleansing through this building this morning, God. Just the sound of your spirit moving through and washing. Washing that sin away, God. Would you come and do that this morning? Would you convict us now and help us to turn our hearts with our faces towards you and recognize that we can do so not with guilt and not with shame, but with that it is your grace that we are stepping into. And so God, for where we have been broken, for where we have been weak, for where we have been disobedient, for where we have been rebellious, we confess those to you in this morning. And we commit our lives to walking in a new and holy direction. And we open ourselves up to your grace this morning.